It's nice to see you. It's always nice to see you. It's nice to see you too. You're looking very um, nice white shirt uh, with a, a little black accent at the collar. It's uh, it's lovely. Thank you. It's actually a little bit. It's a little bit see through. Aha! Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I was getting that. Yeah. yeah. It's um. It's. Uh... <laughs> when I bought it, I didn't think it was see through, but oh. I think um, it became see through quite quickly. It's it's very nice, and it, it it lets me know that you're looking very slender today. Am I? Yeah. It's I wonder like... what that is. I don't because know. I've eaten a lot of cake in the last week. I think it might be because I can see through to your infrastructure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's what they call it. <laughs> I think my infrastructure thanks you for being able to see it. It actually, this shirt is from The Gap, so I guess that makes sense, doesn't it? It does, yeah. You should be able to see through something from The Gap. I have got, um, I don't know if you can see, my autumn beard is coming in. Oh. oh. It, when you say it's coming in, it's like it. How does it know what season it is? Well, it's about how much I trim it. It's not the it's not the beard knowing. It's me saying, ah, oh. oh, I I take it quite it's quite tight in and, and sort of sharp at the edges in the summer, and then as the autumn starts, when I see my first spider, that's when I yeah. go, oh, okay, yeah. stop tidying up the beard, start to look like an old man of the mountains. And do you like uh, spiders? I love them. I think they're beautiful. I, I have one on my arm as we speak. Oh, yes, that's right. Of course you do. Of course you do. That's uh, that's a good um, thing for uh, avid midlifing listeners to know that if they see a man walking around with a spider tattoo, that it could be you and an autumnal beard. It could be me. I have a friend who is a tattooist in in Helsinki. He's actually many things. He's a tattooist and he is a music producer and he is a lighting designer. He's he's another one of those slashies that we spoke of last week. Yes. He's a polyglot. No, that's something about well, language, is, isn't no, but it? He is also a polyglot. I've never met a Finn who isn't a polyglot. Not just like bilingual, but multilingual. Yeah. They're yeah, um, it's got nothing else to do in the winter. There's blueberries to pick. In the winter? No, probably around about this time. We had a mm. very good forage uh, up in Lapland um, and got a lot of blueberries, something akin to a blueberry, and lots of mushrooms, although we had to throw some away. I like that uh, there's something akin to a blueberry. Yeah, I mean they 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 were they were blueberry adjacent, and I mean this <laughs> figuratively and literally in the sense that the bushes were next to the blueberry bushes, and they're related in some way. But the taste was slightly less um, oh sweet. Yeah, I I think it was it was yeah there, there was a kind of. Yeah, they were just a bit different, and everybody preferred the blueberries, but they were nice. The other things that I don't know what they were called were really nice in scones. Ah, I like a um, blueberry or cousin of blueberry um, in a scone. This is a podcast in which two friends have serious conversations about silly things and silly conversations about serious things. I'm Simon Ellis. And I'm Lee Miller. Welcome to Midlifing. I had a strange week. I uh, went out for a meal on Thursday night with a friend, um, an old Kiwi friend, actually. And um, we went to the the same restaurant that I went the previous week at exactly the same time that he didn't show up for. He, um, I got stood up. 
My mouth is agape. Yeah. I got stood up by a very, uh, very old uh, dear friend from New Zealand who um, didn't get a better offer, just forgot. Oh, my God. I love that. I love the complete forgetting. I, yeah, I kind of liked it. I liked also the, particularly the moment, because I was waiting quite patiently, because mm-hmm. as you know, I'm a patient. Um, well, anyway, as you know, I'm... Uh, patient adjacent. i mean if you just yeah anyway yeah and i thought i'd text him eventually about an hour after he was supposed to arrive and uh i got a message back uh four letters a h first one and f k (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i had um i had a big meal by myself while reading um philosophy in a in an indian restaurant in um not in a west end town in the west uh in um close to waterloo station and then we went to the same place this week it was lovely it was lovely to see him and he was apologetic and i um did he shout your dinner oh yeah absolutely <laughs> but i arrived about three minutes late and he, <laughs> i said oh mate i'm so sorry for being late <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it was great. It was a real pleasure to see him. He did say, um, I don't think he's listened to this once, so I don't. I can say whatever I want about him. But um, uh, he did say, "Hi." Oh, he goes, "This would be this would be great material for your podcast." <laughs> In fact, I think he used the word content. Oh, content. Because he's a good lad, he knows that we call it content. Uh, content is king. Oh, we've had a message, which is exciting because even better is that the message was preempted by. A message to you. Yes, it was, because I don't know Mena, who sent us the, uh, the the message. And so she sent me a message to check that she had the right telephone number for me, which I thought was really thoughtful. And then ah. she followed it up with a voice message, which I didn't want to open because I thought that might be the question and I didn't want to preempt it. And then I thought, oh, but I should probably preempt it. Hang about. Hi, Jeff. One second. Wow. Is that someone knocking on the door? I'll get it. I've got to go and get the door. Okay. I'm not going to read the message. What? I really hope he doesn't cut this bit out. Talk about, as Lee would say, podcast gold. Or maybe it's adjacent to podcast gold. Podcast silver. (laughs) I don't know why, but I feel this, um, I always feel this need to keep talking while Lee's not there. I think it might be a, um, a podcasting tick or uh, some kind of psychological deficit. Oh, I can hear Bob's voice too. That's so exciting. I think that's that's Bob making a first appearance on the... Oh, no, she did say something one time. Hello. Hi. Sorry, Jeff just went off on a right one at the postman, who he knows very well. So I don't know why he was barking at the postman. And I opened the Do you door. Think the postman smelt a bit strange or something. I don't know. I think Jeff might have been fast asleep. And sometimes if he's caught in a, in a dream, he'll get a bit like, what's going on? I'm asleep. Why are you doing things? And so I just opened the door and said, it's the postman, you sausage. And the postman replied, yes, it is the postman, <laughs> which is a nice response. And Bob was worried that the postman might have thought I was calling him a sausage, which I wasn't. Uh, you were calling Jeffrey a sausage. Yeah. Can you check I shut the front door properly, Bob? Thanks. Chaotic today. So sorry. So, so Mena, um, 
she sent you an audio file oh, in order so that you pronounced her name correctly. Yes, but I didn't know that's what it was when it arrived because obviously you have to listen to an audio file to know what's in it. And I was thinking, ooh, what if this is the question? I don't want to preempt knowledge. So I Which left it. would have been it. great. <laughs> yeah. If, if, you know that we could have put the audio on in the podcast. I maybe feel that I could just drop it in here. Hi, Lee. Uh, I'm sure Simon will nudge you in the right direction. But a heads up that my name is pronounced Mena, as in men and women. Mena, not Mina. Mena. <laughs> Looking forward to hearing the podcast. Yes, so because I would have called her Mina. <laughs> That's so cute because she said, I'm sure that Simon will guide you in the right direction. But, <laughs> but evidently she, she was right. She knows Mena as the um, oldest daughter of... Uh, some dear friends in Australia. But Mena is also a polyglot. She is one of those people. In fact, I can't believe I asked her because um, she is um, she speaks lots of languages. Mm-hmm. She's a musician. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, she's quite sharp. She's very funny. Um, and it's just a little bit annoying. It's a little bit annoying when you meet young people. <laughs> Who are good. <laughs> Who are really good. Yeah. Really talented. Yeah. And uh, so I think... We should talk about something else. <laughs> well, I've been trying to cultivate relationships with people who have children who are adequate at best. It's just oh, not working. Oh, that's a good idea. It's not working. Unfortunately, oh, really? No, all of my friends' children are either just pure delight, just like little bundles of, of hilarity and sweetness, or really fucking capable. And it's quite dull. Hmm. So all I get is, yeah, like, I... oh, do you want to hear about so-and-so's latest achievements no because they're like 12 and they outstrip anything i've managed to do so far in my life so let's move on <laughs> yes i think that's the um i do actually in fact this uh this involved men i remember um in before times uh mm-hmm. men were staying with us and we went to a party at a friend's place uh, who also has a similar age to, so oh no a bit younger actually a bit younger men are, men are must be mid-20s and I remember these, you know, her and this other young woman were, they were just so f- incredibly articulate. And I think it's the first time I <laughs> I was became really aware of being really middle-aged in my kind of thinking and that seeing that it was a little bit like the feeling that the world belonged to them now. And it was really confronting. It was really confronting. I was reading this morning, um, and I will paraphrase, and hopefully, Simon, you'll be able to do a proper job of putting this in the show notes, <laughs> the resignation letter that Steve Jobs wrote when it was clear that he wasn't going to recover from pancreatic cancer. And so he was stepping down from CEO of Apple and suggesting that Tim Cook? Cook. Tim Cook take over. Um yep. And so I like that, Tim Cook. I think that's exactly <laughs> what they call him uh, <laughs> around the Apple uh, Apple Central headquarters or whatever it's called. Tim Tim Cook. Cook. Yeah, he. Um, so he wrote in this letter, you know, about we think I think we should we should move forward with the succession plan that was in place, but then it goes on to reference the fact that we are designed to die, and that's the thing that makes life exciting is that. We might feel young and vibrant, but there will be a moment where we're not young and vibrant, we're old, and we will have to be cleared out of the way to make space for the new. And your experience of being, yeah, cleared out of the way by 
men are and other capable young women. <laughs> it's a delight. It's funny because I've just been, um, I got someone stuck me onto Succession, the TV program called Succession. Wow. Is it, is it harsh? It's, um, it's like, uh, it's like watching the most dysfunctional family possible and just they're all vipers, just all utterly loathsome human beings, yet delightfully funny at the same time. And also they're filthy rich. It's so interesting. I really, really, really enjoyed it. And it's, um, it just gets better and better as well. I, uh, but yeah, it's hard, it's hard watching because it's just I don't really want to think of humans as being like that. But we are. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, not you know. We are. I mean, no, us. but but some of, no, some of us are, and uh, yeah. Maybe we should just jump cut to Mena. I think da, 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 is the only way to do it. I'll just put a stinger in. And do you want to read it? I'd love to, <laughs> especially because I've not looked at it until just this minute, and I'm already loving Mena. Oh, she is such a suck. <laughs> oh well, last week it was like lovely Simon and Lee. This week it's. Dear Simon and Lee, brackets with the lovely voice. Close brackets. I th- I think she meant to say lovely voices. She just, there's just an error there. Yeah, I'm going to let you have that. I mean, it's wrong, but I'm going to let you have it. Thanks for inviting me onto your podcast, which makes me giggle every episode. Here's... I don't think she's listened to every episode, just to be clear. <laughs> that sentence can certainly be interpreted that every episode she listens to, she finds something yeah, to right. giggle at. Every episode. <laughs> all one of, of all the one episodes I've lived. <laughs> Here's something I've been thinking um, thinking a lot about lately. I've noticed that in some of my relationships, I spend more energy worrying about the other person's feelings than my own and feel guilty about admitting what I want or need. But others in my life, usually boys, seem to plough forward completely unaware of their effect on others. In short, I'm curious about the different ways we learn or not to carry other people's emotions. Oh, wise ones, do you have any advice? <laughs> it's in capitals. Wise is. ones is in capitals. It really is. Oh, wise <laughs> ones, do you have any advice on navigating this emotional landscape? Any epiphanies you'd like to share? Thanks in advance for your wisdom. P.S. This is not about my mum. And this is a lovely P.P.S. Simon, your voice is good too. <laughs> it's good. It's not lovely. <laughs> oh, Mena, this is an awesome, awesome territory to negotiate because, yeah, I like how her experience of it has been so gendered. And I think you like that. I like it because it allows me to just take a moment to reflect. Because when she was writing it, when I, no, no, I have no idea what she was doing when she was writing it. When I was reading it, and because it's sort of sequential, I was thinking about myself in her space and the idea that, yeah, I spend more energy worrying about the other people's feelings. And so immediately I was, I was empathetic to her and I, I was thinking, this is me. This is the way I am in the world. Oh, I see. And then she throws in the little uh, the, the twist in the tail, the scorpion. Her perspective being actually, that boys seem to just be able to plough on. And, yeah, and I then found myself reflecting. I'm in the middle of writing a book proposal. Are you? Yeah, yeah. Um, And I wrote under the section that says, why should we publish it? (laughs) And I didn't really think about writing it. I just wrote it. And then Bob then comes in and does her draft. And she just shouted at me and went, Lee, have you looked at what you said about why it should be published? When filtered through Bob's perspective, it was like, oh... 
Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think perhaps there is a sense that I, I might need to soften the language a little bit because it does read like I'm saying you will be immeasurably made richer by my mere presence. My intellect. Yeah. My intellectual prowess. Yeah. So I think, I think men are, might be onto something. What do you think? Well, it's curious, isn't it, what you hang on to? Because I was, um, I think the part I'm lingering over in my mind is um, I spend more energy worrying about the other person's feelings than my own and feel guilty about admitting what I want or need. And I guess I was I was thinking about that with the question, how do we know that we're doing something more than or less than another person? That someone's not thinking about you or thinking about other people might be expressed in just plowing forward and and going on and saying whatever they want right even though even though the uh, the external effect of that might be that it seems like that person's taking space in a quite um <laughs> let's say solid way <laughs> so yeah that was that's the thing that comes to mind for me um i'm not suggesting that manners experience of it as a more of a gendered thing is not interesting or that isn't worth talking about in part because i was thinking just yesterday i was thinking about that idea the 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 words toxic and masculinity and it made me think what masculinity means uh these days and how we know when masculinity is toxic and when it isn't that seems like a pretty big question which might drag us right away from from this idea of worrying about other people's feelings and one's own and how do you how do you maintain or uh hold on to some sense of your own self-worth and the importance of your own feelings hmm. there's there's so many there's so many pathways to follow here yeah sorry about that, that no, no 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 that helpful I was actually thinking in in Mena's uh, message there are so many pathways because you've you just opened up that question of effectively how do you know what conversation you're in when when you're in a conversation with somebody else which is territory that we've explored before that yeah. sense of you, you you just don't you just don't you know you don't so so there is there's that but this is freighted with a different kind of anxiety isn't it, it it's the sense that she's imagining being in a particular type of which is what we all do we all imagine we're in a conversation even when we're speaking she's imagining she's in a particular type of conversation but she's also feeling that she's not being heard or at least she's having she is taking the decision or she feels maybe it's that it's being placed on her the the weight of kind of the emotional labor of worrying about that other person's person's feelings yeah yeah space in the conversation their feelings all of those sorts of things so that's that's one bit about how do we know that we're in and then the different yeah and this this carrying other people's emotions about the different ways we learn or not to carry other people's emotions yeah and who takes responsibility so i think that's a really interesting line of thought but i i also do think the the fact that she raises the 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 lived experience that she's had, which is that boys mm. seem less burdened. Yeah. Which kind of does take us, I think, to questions of how men are being trained. And we've, you know, we've... Yeah, so I don't think it is... I don't think saying that the phrase toxic masculinity drags us down and away from the question i think it's i think it's enmeshed in it and we might find our way back to the request for advice later on but i'm curious what your perspective on toxic masculinity is because i don't think we've i don't think we've talked about that we've talked about 
our masculinities, you and me, we've talked about the fact that, you know, we, we've talked about notions of shame and we've talked about notions of desire um, and we've talked about, you know, what kind of men we think we are. Mm. But I don't think we've done that in relationship to a larger taxonomy of masculinity. You know, we've not... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's really um uh I can feel my um just so you know, I can feel my um kind of skin temperature just sort of just rise a little bit um as I start to kind of think oh. because I I guess um toxicity, you know, the word implies or means literally some kind of poison. That something that is toxic is is poisonous, that it makes us sick, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, and so I think there's there's a simple aspect which is well who is being made sick, um, so that if I'm behaving in a particular way, which and those behaviours might be tropes of being a man, and I can talk about what those tropes are and how I've experienced them and how I've performed them as a human being. Mm-hmm. That there's a there's a thing for me which I think is fundamental, but I don't know this, and you're probably. I suspect you're far more well read about this kind of thing than I am, but that everyone's being poisoned, not only the people who are, you say, propagating, but also the people on the receiving end, that if I'm expressing my masculinity in a toxic way, I'm also poisoning myself as well as the people around me. Hmm. Oh, I think, I think, oh, I, I suspect that perhaps in, in some of the more populist narratives, like, you know, the BuzzFeed kind of discourse... <laughs> it, it may well be that toxic masculinity is is kind of the thing that is leveled at behaviors and that need to be fixed because you are doing this to us yes but i think in masculinity studies as a as a kind of an offshoot of feminism which is you know a relatively well established field now there is absolutely the sense that the toxicity is it, it's poisoning the water it's not um you're not dripping bits into somebody else's drink as a toxic man and watching them slowly wither it's yes it's, in that what's that uh, munchausen by proxy yeah yeah you're not doing that you are absolutely leeching it out and and it's poisoning everybody including yourself i mean the the in some arguments i think that that young men suffer as much because and, and i pause here because you know uh, when we start to talk about violence meets yeah. out against women, I'm 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 totally not meaning that, but at the same time, and I think we might have touched on this in the past that the the biggest killer, I think after after car accidents for men between eighteen and forty four, is uh, is death by suicide. So there is a sense that you know that that's part yeah, something's of that. wrong. Yeah, that's part of that toxicity, isn't it? So I think I think, and yeah, this is probably me going off well off the rails of what Mena wants us to talk about. But it feels that if you are being... What's that fucking awful film where um, Leonardo DiCaprio eats a bear's liver? It's a really interesting film. Um, I can't remember what it's called, though. There are two women in it. One's a sex worker and the other one's a dead wife. Yeah. So it's for me, it's not a really interesting film. And, and you're saying that that has some relationship to... Uh, about the way in which we human beings learn or not to carry people's emotions if you are looking at cultural product where women don't exist and they don't have interior rich interior lives and they are reduced to their use value 
Yes, I think we understand ourselves through art. I think we understand ourselves through the relationship between cultural product and and where we see ourselves within it. And we learn how to be a person by being in the world, but also by seeing the world reflected back to us. If we see a version of the world where women are either absent or reduced to use value, why would we be expected as men to worry about men as emotional needs? Why would the boys that Mena is concerning herself with, why would they be worried about carrying her feelings when she is not actually something which is capable of having feelings? Why would we expect her to do anything other than carry our emotional needs because that's what every wife and girlfriend in every Adam Sandler film has ever done? Yeah, but they, oh, but they, don't, they don't think that, right? I don't know. It's just that um, I'm trying to express something which I... I'm trying to express something which I'm not sure I believe. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that because I, I don't like, and I've done, I, you know, I play this role. I don't I don't mean just in our conversations, but it's a very easy role for me to play, like the devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to be cautious about that line. And I'm trying to be cautious about it because uh, part of the line you're drawing is it actually would alienate me further. What responsibilities do we have towards someone who's listening to this and thinking, what a lot of bullshit. What a lot of bullshit that we can't make films like The Revenant. The Revenant was a great film. Life was deeply masculine in those days, etc., etc., right? Mm-hmm. And... And that the idea that somehow you shouldn't watch a film like that because the women in it are um, effectively cardboard cutouts with no emotional kind of depth or no... Um, again... Oh, Lee. You're talking about how do you make space for somebody who might not hold my frustratingly strident perspective on gender politics... <laughs> How might we make space then? How might I don't we think make... they're frustratingly strident. Oh, I think I think there will be somebody, unless I do a better job of editing than I usually do. I think there will be a there will be a subset of our listeners who go fucking hell. I'm glad I don't have to have the conversation with Miller. I'm yeah. glad I only have to listen. Imagine to what it. it's like having the unedited conversation with Lima. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, all you listeners, I feel you. I feel you. It's yeah. hard. It's difficult. But someone's got to do it, right? 